Hey there, enjoying SBO Perspectives? Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. That is right, the official podcast. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed John Bricado. That's right, John Bricado, JB. So, you know, every episode, we always try to throw in a mix here and there, um, you know, give you new topics, um, things that we find pertinent for our peers, um, and discussions really with, you know, our peers, um, major discussions. And this does not let down any one bit. Um, so, John, why don't you go into um, who are our guests is for this afternoon? Sure. Today, we really wanted to lean into our ASBO International board leadership. If you'll remember, a few weeks ago, we had John Hutchinson on. He's the current ASBO International president. But we didn't want to give up an opportunity to talk to Bill Sutter. He's the immediate past president at ASBO International. So what we talk about is his path to being a school business official, how he really started from a, a temp agency to, to really grow to where he is now, reflect on his presidency over the past year, and really how he sees the organization flourishing in the future. So really excited to bring this to everybody today. And here's our conversation with Bill. Today on the podcast, we have Bill Sutter, Chief Financial Officer of the Boulder Valley School District and immediate past president of ASBO International. Bill, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Good morning. It's great to be here. Welcome, Bill. How are you doing out there in Colorado? I'm doing great. It's been a little chilly out here lately, but uh, oh, surviving. listen, we got some chill today too. It's 27. Yeah, yeah, we got a little risk. snow on the ground last night for <laughs> first snow. We didn't even have snow right. all January until until uh, last night. Uh, but this is great, you know. And I, I always think about Colorado. You know, like Vail, want to go skiing. You know, and actually, Colorado is a centennial state. Um, from what I gather, it was 100 years after the Declaration. Um, Colorado came into play, so. In Boulder. I've been out there. So um, we're really excited to have you. And of course, you're up even earlier than us. So we really appreciate your time and coming on. So no problem. I will mention that our uh, Colorado ASBO fall conference has been in Vail uh, for a few years now. So oh, there Ooh. you go. No kidding. <laughs> we might have to move to Colorado. Then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just for that. That's pretty right. cool. <laughs> so so as we get rolling into it, um, Bill, we, you know, we want our listeners to always get a sense of who we have on before we get into the flow of just having this dialogue, right? So if you can, maybe tell a, bit, tell a little bit about yourself, right? And I guess maybe your background experience. Um, but really, how did you land into your current role today? Sure. Um, so uh, I grew up in Maine. I'm originally from Maine. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, that's a different so, side, a different coast. As, <laughs> as far away as you can get from here. Uh, and... Um, I went to the University of New Hampshire and... Um, okay, nice. Uh, so a fellow a Northeasterner like us, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. So okay. I'm kind of used to the cold, although I've, I've been out here for 25 years, so I'm a little spoiled. Wow. It's not <laughs> definitely cold, an implant. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and uh, so I came across the country with a couple of buddies of mine. I mean, we were literally traveling across country, and I had a college friend who had uh, moved to Boulder the year before, and... Mm-hmm. Um, we stopped in and I needed a job. And so I went to manpower 
uh, the old temp agency and mm, uh, nice. started working for the district uh, through manpower and progressed up through several different uh, wow. accounting tech jobs and budget manager and budget director and uh, became the CFO, I think about eight years ago. That's a true wow. grassroots story from, from the bottom to the top, right? Yeah. 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 So awesome. you had mentioned your title, the, the chief financial officer, CFO. A lot of the guests that we have on that are sitting school business officials are their titles being school business officials or something similar to that. Your title is CFO from our vantage point is kind of a little bit more corporate and not something that we see all the time. So are you seeing that because of that title, could you give us, are, are you seeing more responsibilities different from your typical SBO or is it just kind of the title that's used in, in Colorado or, or your district specifically? Cause it's just not something that we see too often in our field. Sure. Um, that, that question, uh, sort of when you put it out there, it, was, it made me think a little bit and, um, I think it has to do maybe a little bit more with um, district size, uh, perhaps. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, the we're about twenty-eight thousand students here wow. um, in Colorado. The smallest district I think is about twenty students, uh, and the largest. That's a big uh, disparity. Wow, right. twenty-eight thousand. Oh, yeah. Twenty. Oof. And Denver's eighty-five thousand. So uh, we have a really uh, you know broad range of district size. Uh, mm -hmm. Not that New York doesn't too, but. Um, and, and so I, I, and what I've seen across the country uh, is that it's typically the larger districts get that um, more more uh, delineation of you know finance and accounting and the business side of things tends to be the chief operating or chief financial officer. Uh, and as the district size gets smaller, you're putting on more hats, right? Right. Uh, and that's when you're the you know, chief business officer or school business official. Um, okay. and then, you know, the treasurer is a very common term, um, Ohio, I think uses that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, just as a, like that sort of a legal even term that they use with their boards of education and stuff. So, um, I don't think it's that much different except it's more sort of focused and specialized because of the district size. We have, you know, an assistant superintendent wow. of operational services who has all the maintenance operations and uh, that kind of stuff. So. Um, okay. That, that was going to be my question. So like my title is assistant superintendent for finance and operations. So not only am I overseeing the finances, but also the operational side of the house. So are you specific just to finances? You don't have to worry about like facilities, transportation, built, you know, that kind of thing. No, I have, uh, grants, uh, are under me and procurement, um, budget, uh, the sort of business operations like childcare and facility mm -hmm. rental and things like wow. that. It's really um, tiered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Nice. So I guess you just alluded to a little bit of how the size of districts are. Um, and so I, I was curious, one of my questions that I wanted to ask you today was really what the landscape is out there in Colorado, just in general for SBOs, you know, I mean, are there, when you said there's a district that has 20, um, but are there many different standalone districts? Are there a lot of newer ones? Um, or like you said, these larger conglomerates that are 85,000 or 28,000. Um, and I guess there is some wide disparities across the board, but um, just wanted to get a sense of what it is out there for our listeners and then maybe what challenges you guys may face out there. So I, I wrote this down and took a picture of it a while ago because uh, the question comes up a lot. 
So 178 school districts, 84 of those are less than mm-hmm. 500 students. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, rural plains, uh, eastern plains, western slope, uh, some of the mountain communities, uh, 22 districts, 500 to 1,000, 52, 1,000 to 10,000, and then 20 okay. districts over 10,000. So mm-hmm. um, I think that once you get over that 10,000 sort of benchmark uh, is where you start seeing the more specialized um, uh, roles. And then it's the smaller districts. Um, um, and at our conference, we get, you know, folks from all of those different, uh, size districts. And so, um, it's really fun to come together and, and talk to folks and, and, and hear what they're how's experiencing. The, how's the funding then? Because, um, is there, because, you know, sometimes it's hard to find that one size fits all, right? Because then, you know, Maybe the small districts, depending on where they are and demographics, they may need, you know, more money um, versus, you know, really having a size and population. They're also need is to have money as well. Like, how did how is it handled out there? Is there anything particular to, um, you know, Colorado and the funding formula or, or, or how districts are funded in general? I think it's uh, well, um, we're $3,000 behind the national average uh, on a, a statewide average of funding. So wow. uh, I know we've, we've been working on trying to fix that, like a lot of states. Um, but uh, the formula that that is in place, been in place since 1994, so it's kind of uh, aged and in need of updating. But it is a um, equalization formula. So... There's okay. local share and state share, and depending on what the property values in your district are, the state determines how much per pupil, and then depending on where the mix comes from. There's also a size factor in there, and so the really small districts um, get uh, quite a bit more per pupil because recognizing that economies of scale and uh, things like that. What are some of the pain points and disparities and how the formula functions now? And, you know, what are maybe you or some advocacy groups in education in the state of Colorado doing to kind of address those disparities? So the formula is not, uh, uh, it doesn't have a lot of uh, factors for characteristics of students. There's categorical funding, which is outside the formula Mm -hmm. uh, for special education career and technical, uh, and, uh, second language learners. Uh, but within the formula, it's really only, you know, district characteristics, size, cost of living. Uh, and then, uh, the one piece is at risk, which is determined by the, um, free and reduced lunch poverty standard. So, um, okay. it's, it's not very, uh, elegant in saying, you know, gifted and talented students should be funded differently on a per pupil basis. Um, and so that's kind of where the, the focus has been is to, to work on improving the formula to, to fund a district based on both district characteristics, because we are statutorily and I think constitutionally organized around uh, the, the owners of running education, local control and all that. Uh, and then, um, also funding this, the dollars needed to, uh, to teach all the kids that we have. 
Sure. So it sounds like the formula is lacking some nuance that the districts are needing to kind of equitably fund their needs specifically locally at the district. Yeah. And so what that what's that done is the legislature will come in on some annual basis and say, oh, we think we should put a little bit more money into this particular thing. And oh, by the way, you need to do all this stuff associated with that. And so it makes this you know, sort of disparate um, funding stream or they're through grants, which are not very equitable if you don't have a grant writer on staff and all that right. kind of stuff. And I'm always curious, too, because the political process can be challenging. Have you noticed that your legislature in Colorado has been responsive to kind of the requests of, you know, school business officials and, you know, your ASBO of, of Colorado or how's that been going? Coincidentally, yesterday I spent uh, about half the day down at the Capitol uh, meeting oh, no kidding. With, wow. yeah, with lobbyists and uh, CFOs and a, a senator that's working on um, uh, redoing the School Finance Act, which uh, was a interesting mechanism to go about doing it, which I'll say just real quick, to basically gut the School Finance Act as it exists and and empower a uh, committee to of district folks, CFOs and superintendents to come up with a formula to bring it back uh, to the legislature because the legislatures had a interim committee on school finance for right. years in a row and never been able to come up with anything. So uh, it seems a little bit made out of frustration of we can't figure it out. So we'll let the professionals do it, uh, which is a little scary because um a dozen odd people coming up with a formula and bringing it to the legislature who still has to approve it. Um, we also have a, a unique funding constraint in Colorado where um, mm. you can't, the, the legislature can't make any decisions around uh, taxing tax policy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, every single uh, thing that's either an increase in a rate or a dollar amount has to go to a statewide vote. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So. Uh, there's been some citizen initiatives over the years to increase funding for K-12 education, and they have failed the two or three times that it's been attempted because um, it's a lot easier to say no when, what is it, 70-ish percent of the population doesn't have students in the in, in right. K-12. So they education. don't want their taxes raised? Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, you, you said scary to have that opportunity, but also kind of exciting because not a lot of states defer to the professionals on how to equitably fund schools. And we had an individual on from Ohio a few months back that was integral in introducing a new funding formula to the state. And it sounds like it's mm -hmm. making some great progress. So um, that's really encouraging to hear. And I, I would love to see more state legislatures kind of, you know, attack that approach with more professionals involved in how that fun funding formula is actually constructed. But so changing gears a little bit, you started in Maine, you've been in Colorado for some time, you've got quite the trajectory. Can you speak to us now that you've been on the ASBO International Board for eight years, what prompted you to really kind of get involved and how did that evolve to you now being the immediate past president? So uh, I was on the Colorado ASBO Board um, and uh, in 2008, when the uh, national conference, ASBO conference, was in Denver, um, okay. I, I was really not very familiar with the state affiliate piece because we had been doing the um, 
certificate of excellence and the budget award uh, process for a while. And so I was familiar with the national level. And so I went to the conference and I saw two of my colleagues from my district who were on the Colorado ASBO board and sort of put two and two together that this thing existed. So I think a year later, I got onto the Colorado board. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, uh, we had a past president from 2003, uh, Bert Hoosier, uh, who was our executive director for quite a some time. And Ron McCulley, who was the 2013 uh, ASBO president, was in the process of uh, getting elected onto the board at that time. And so uh, it was, you know, a a great experience to see what they had gone through and listen to them and listen to their experiences. And uh, when the opportunity arose to jump in, um, a lot of, you know, stars aligned and and things like that. But um, it sounds like a really good transition for you and it made sense. Um, And so as you look back at this general journey you've gone and um, and where you've been, uh, where do you think you might look to towards the future now? Jeez, uh, oh, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> you're, you're just oh, happy to pass the baton off the John, I'm sure. You, you know, <laughs> your immediate past president just started, right? You know, so. The, the toughest thing about um, being president of ASBO I think it was running the board meetings. Uh, it's uh, uh, tough. It's not tough, but it, you know, it's like kind of mechanical and and whatnot. Um, so transitioning into the past president, you know, you you uh, a lot of the duties go away, and there's only a couple of things that uh, um, that the immediate past president is is um, functionally charged with elections and uh, the legislative uh, committee. Um, which is really interesting at its at its own level uh, on a national uh, legislative basis. Um, so, you know, just uh, continuing to support um, local districts and uh, uh, continue to encourage folks to uh, engage locally and nationally. Um, and uh, you know, we we have another candidate running for the board from Colorado uh, uh, this next year. That's good. And Filling so, your shoes. you know, again, just, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's great to be it's uh, flow. participating and, and uh, experience. I, I, I can't underestimate how um, just valuable uh, personally and professionally it is to go out and experience districts from, Alaska. I saw you on your had on your podcast. Somebody yeah, that from Alaska was the other day. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing, right? Uh-huh. It's just that, like, uh, folks wrong. from the lower forty-eight, I think is the term, um, <laughs> have no concept of what it means to operate uh, a school district in Alaska. Yeah. And we found, found out. Yeah, yeah and, that's, <laughs> and that's something I think we want to bring Melody or someone else from Alaska back on, just to kind of dive into it a little more because we, I feel like we just scratched the surface. There has to be so yeah. much more. Yeah. That goes into being a business official in Alaska. And it's crazy. And actually, you know, we had John Hutchison on a few weeks ago, the current president for ASBO International. And I have to confirm what he said. You are smiling a lot more now that you're the uh, immediate past president. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what was funny? His little quip about you being Jason Momoa (laughs) at the conference. (laughs) That was the funniest thing ever. I almost fell out my seat. That was Um, good. But, but Bill, I, I do want to ask you this, though, you know, because, um, you know, SPL Perspectives just came on really toward the, the tail end of the year in September, right? And I know all of last year, 2022, um, you know, you were the president. 
Yeah, we weren't able to catch you before the calendar year end, before your term. Um, but we noticed, John and I both looked at your platform last year. Obviously, we saw um, your theme, Embracing Tectonic Change, right? Um, that was something that was highly touted all year throughout the association. Um, you know, we still wanted to see if you could possibly set, shed some light as to how you came up with that focal point and I guess what that meant for you overall because it was it was very powerful, um, that, that message. It was interesting as I was trying to come up with it because <clears throat> something that is um, sort of meaningful, meaningful to me, um, not like we have a list of all the the presidents and their themes. And so you don't want to repeat something too much either, right? So you got to sort of weave it in there. True. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, I am not a particular um, uh, lover of change. I am mm. uh, very consistent and uh, uh, stubborn. Uh, maybe a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, not fighting change because you you'll just beat your head against the wall if you fight it. So you need sure. to embrace it when the system is really changing. I don't change for the sake of change. Um, seems like technology and IT directors are like, oh, this is the next greatest thing. We need to change to this because it's you know the next thing. And like, mm -hmm. and it, that's very hard <laughs> on a system. <laughs> like every every time that comes in, like whatever it is, new curriculum, new something. Like it is uh, really upending to to the the system. Yeah. So I think it was a combination of uh, we were still. I think we're you know, the, the president is going to, to end the pandemic declaration or whatnot, but we were still in the um, throes of the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. coming out of the depths of it. Um, the technology changes that occurred because of it, with remote learning um, and and building skills within uh, the teachers and central admin and everything to deal with uh, those changes related to technology and education. Um, workforce, like I, I don't know any conversation that doesn't have something tied to workforce, whether it's lack of or can't keep folks or not paying enough or need skills or whatever it is, uh, workforce is um, has changed over the last three years. Uh, and we're seeing, I think, nationally, the enrollment patterns uh, with students and children change, uh, declining birth rates uh, and where people are choosing to live and able to live. Uh, and so, like, all of that coming together uh, really is like we better embrace this so that we can wrestle with it and come out the other side or else we're, uh, you know, not going to be successful fighting it. Yeah. Yeah, and many challenges faced in the in the past couple of years, and I think a lot of what you just spoke to was represented throughout your year as a president in the School Business Affairs magazine. And you had many different topics that you addressed through the SBA, from inspirational leadership to risk management to work life balance. What was some of your favorite pieces that you published in SBA, and and why did those really stick out to you? And you know, why do you think those resonated with ASBO International membership? I had to go back and kind of look at them a little bit to refresh you, my memory. You don't memory. have them all framed in your house? Like the, like well, as, Asbo provided me with a very nice bound copy of all the school business oh, cool. affairs. So um, it's on the shelf downstairs. Um, awesome. But uh, uh, 
very challenging to write those on a monthly basis um, mm-hmm. in and and not if it's like 450 to 500 words it's very concise so trying to be we saw yeah you know um it's tricky and it seems like you just finish one and then you're on to the next one next one i'm sure (laughs) but uh the one i think it was april um on uvalde was uh i got the most comments from folks on that um uh, appreciation I, I didn't say much um okay. but uh that one while gut-wrenching uh was yes certainly um i felt appropriate at the time to say something yeah. um the the one about the fire uh that we experienced in my my town with over a thousand homes burned um was you know just very tragic uh, it's like something you always happens somewhere else uh mm-hmm. to so like just dragging in that uh, very local very personal experience um mm-hmm. uh, at the moment um and i think the last one uh was was just saying thank you to folks because i i fully recognize that i don't say thank you enough to all the folks that help me support me and i i work with and uh, like so that was kind of one that um i really had to put out there at the end too i didn't always line up exactly with the theme that was supposed to be the magazine no but you you made it you made it tie in you know every sba was was very important and and i thought i got a lot out of it so uh it's great Great, Bill. So, Bill, as you know, if you've heard our uh, podcast before, we always ask our guests, you know, when they come on, we thank them, obviously, for their time. Um, And for anybody who comes on here, um, we ask if they can give any piece of advice they'd like to offer any any SBO or anybody listening to the podcast. So I think um, just engaging in whatever level of your state or ASBO, if you can uh, engage at the national level, uh, to grow uh, personally uh, in your um, career and connections and build those relationships um, is, you know, I've got friends around the around the world, literally, uh, that I've met through ASBO and the state affiliate, and um, it's. It, it, somebody will pick up the phone because you know them personally and answer your question or give you some insight on that latest crazy thing that's working through your legislature or their legislature. And so, um, if you live too much inside your own bubble, uh, it's really hard. We all get all those emails from vendors all the time, uh, that we just ignore. Right. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) so when it's when it's somebody that you actually have a personal connection with and i'll include vendors in that uh it it uh is a benefit to i think uh the personal individual Mm -hmm. your school district and uh, state or national uh, affiliation just because yeah um, it's a a very sense of connection relationships you have it's great i agree yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, speaking of that, that shirt you have on, since we're kind of cool now, can you hook can you hook us up? <laughs> yeah. What 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 are what do the hosts of SBO perspectives have to do to get a couple of ASBO international polos? That's you know, a nice shirt come... you got on, Bill. <laughs> I I believe the standard is to get elected to the ASBO board. 
All right, so we have some work ahead of us. Uh, All right, all right, okay. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time this morning, especially getting up early and and chatting with us uh, all the way from Colorado. We really appreciate your insight and and everything you've had to offer to our listenership today. This has been wonderful. My first experience with a podcast, so. uh, Awesome. Yeah, well, you did great, and we, we appreciate your time. Thank you. It's natural. All right, you bet. Thank you again for tuning into SBO Perspectives. Yes. We hope you enjoyed you. our conversation with Bill today. Uh, definitely uh, seems a little happier now that he's passing the baton over to John Hutchison. Yeah, of course. But you know what? Um, I have to just say this, that, you know, when we came on um, last year, we knew we had to get him on. You know, some scheduling things here and there. Right. Um, we couldn't get him on at that point in time. But I'm so glad we got him on. I didn't even know so many things. First of all, He's from the East Coast like us. I know, he's an East Coast guy. <laughs> you know, but really, you know, the expression, you, you see it in the movies, it's being portrayed even in real life, but started from the bottom. He really did to the top. And it's right. to see, you know, that corporate structure that's out there, all that he's done, um, it was great. And I think for those um, who were around in Asthma National last year, to see um, how you do embrace tectonic change, this is huge and yeah. instrumental for our you know, our practice. So, And I love that you uh, brought up the Jason Momoa reference too. That was funny. Yes. The <laughs> well, that's, we were the, that was our first conference. That yeah. was funny. He came on stage, John said, hey. <laughs> That was funny. We got Aquaman on here. Right. <laughs> yeah, stuff, well, so. yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in this week and uh, tune in next week for another episode. Yep. See you next week. If you're interested in presenting at the ASBO International Annual Conference and Expo this year, the call for proposals deadline is right around the corner on February 21st, 2023. Find all of the information at the ASBO International website at asbointl.org cfp. That's asbointl.org cfp. And make sure to get your great ideas in before it's too late.